everything is um, deep into the jungle and uh, I mean give you the sense of uh, peacefulness and uh, being on your own trusting your instinct um, just you and the nature towards the end uh, I always believe that this is a project uh, by runners for runners so it's all driven by passion all in all it's, it's just a really testing time on a personal level you know from the day MMTF 2019 is over. Uh, most people start resting, but then for us, we started executing the files to uh, what you call promote it. Opportunities are there, is how we're gonna grab it. That was race director and ultra runner Eugene Tan, and this is the Wildcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the Wildcast, and I talked to my good friend running buddy, adventure buddy, Eugene Tan. He's a Malaysian ultra runner and also the race director of the Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival. Eugene is one of my closest friends. Last year in 2019, we both trained together and raced together for the hardest mountain race in the world, the Dragon's Back Race in Wales. And he... He got me through that race. Uh, The last day of the race, I was completely wrecked. I had no energy. I bonked the day before. And even though I was much stronger than Eugene for the last four days, the last day I really struggled. And he waited for me the whole way, the whole 70 plus kilometers of running through some of the roughest mountains in Wales on that last day of the race and uh, together we finished the Dragon's Back race it was uh, 5 days 320 kilometers and months and months of training together and racing together so me and Eugene were were pretty much bonded at the hip Um, we also share being both race directors He is the race director of the Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival and uh, I talked to him during this conversation about the pandemic, how it has affected his business as a race director, how it's affected our business as organizers of adventure and trail races. And also, interestingly, I talked to him about Durian. So during this whole pandemic, he started a durian business with his friends in Malaysia. And he talks about the king of fruits, basically selling it um, on the streets of Malaysia. Eugene is one of the most versatile people I know. If you talk about range, he is that guy with a lot of range. He was a lawyer. He worked in, in... in Europe for some years and then he came home he basically worked the family business uh, clothing and manufacturing clothing and logistics and also you know um renting out Airbnbs and and um and then durian and race directing so he's basically one of those people who has so much range from being a lawyer all the way to being an ultramarathon runner and a race director. So this is, I think, such an interesting conversation for me because it is so much of my world. And of course, I know Eugene uh, quite well 
being racing together. We basically slept next to each other for five days, just, you know, hearing each other's snores or my snores more most of the time. And this was such a fun conversation. I talked to him about MMTF, the struggles we're all going through and that he's going through in particular racing one of the most popular races in Malaysia nowadays. And um, here's our story, his story, actually, and the MMTF. Have a listen. So how are you, Durian King, at the moment? <laughs> I've, stopped, I've stopped doing that uh, since uh, last uh, weekend. Okay, what, what was that about? Um, selling... Uh, there are like four of us friends. Uh, we are not, we're not able to go anywhere. We're supposed to travel together uh, to different countries uh, sometime in uh, March till June. And because all the plans got wrecked by the pandemic, so what actually happened is we have been spending a lot of time together and we were, I mean, the idea just came out. Why not uh, try something new? So <laughs> each of us brought out uh, some cash and then uh, shared it out and then uh, started the business for roughly around three weeks. Uh, anyway, it's, it's over. <laughs> make, okay. Make, make some money out of it and then we we just close it. And how 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 much durian did you buy? Uh, we're talking about roughly around hundred to maybe four hundred kilos a day, and selling them. Wow. Out. Yeah. So we are sell out like every day and uh, make profits here and there every day as well so no and, and you were selling this like you were selling this on the road yeah on the road wow <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people are quite surprised they are saying how can you be selling durian beside the road you are not supposed to be beside the road pedaling so i say come on it does not matter right so long as it's a legal means of earning why not yeah, yeah, why not? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's a good thing. I mean, we, I'm able to understand and see things from the other side uh, for once. And then, uh, I mean, me and my friend, we just told ourselves, I mean, for the next season, uh, because every year there is one one good season for the premium fruits. Okay. So now we know that the premium fruits are the one that is, uh, rip, I mean, ripping in the profit. So we know how to get it and how to beat it as well in the marketplace. So we say next season, we're going to do it big time. Like each person will take out like 10,000 ringgit and then four of us, there'll be like 40,000. So we are able to uh, beat for the uh, for a whole village fruit. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then <laughs> sell it uh, throughout Malaysia or sell it in KL on a daily basis. I mean, for a month. So the season will only last like for a month or so. Uh, in an area mm-hmm. yeah so it, maybe it's like a new opportunity for next year so you were just driving across Malaysia buying durian and I, selling it on the on the street <laughs> Is that the... different different part of Malaysia will have uh, different type of uh, fruits it's still durian prat- practically just that the quality that we're talking about for example at Musang King uh, the name comes from a place called Gua Musang uh, you'll get the best fruit there. But then uh, every state will have their own uh, the Musang King as well. So it's, it was right. I mean, the state that I'm from, Perak, uh, it seems it produces the second best in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So it's like one and a half hours away from where, am I, where I'm staying. So 
uh, I would just go drive there, you know, collect the fruits, and then uh, sell it over here in Taiping. Uh, got some orders in KL, uh, deliver them to KL as well. Wow. And you just used your, your pickup just yeah. driving around. Enough, <laughs> you, were yeah. say, you were saying you had like a thousand kilometers driving, yeah, doing so, this business. So if I need to go uh, do a delivery to KL, it's like waking up three o'clock in the morning, uh, get to the marketplace whereby the farmers will send the durians to, uh, beat it and get the fruits out from the area and then deliver to KL, which is uh, like four hours away again. And then driving back to Taiping after delivering them. Oh wow! Yeah. And you know, we have durian here as well, but it's not as. I mean, we only have it mostly in Mindanao, so it's yeah. not so popular where we are. Davao, right? In Davao. In Davao, yeah. and and well, a lot of a lot of Mindanao now now yeah. sort of plant durian, and I know it's it's really good, but it's really stinky. So a lot of people <laughs> really don't like it, and yeah. it's banned on flights and all of that. So so, all so I know. While while growing up, I have been very picky when it comes to durian. I can't take fruits that are not properly ripe. And at the same time, if it's ripe and then it's watery, I will not touch it at all. So selling selling them is a different case altogether again. You try not to waste any of the fruit. So if it's overripe, we will just sell those fruits to uh, people who will process it for other purposes as well. So it's nice mm. to see. I mean, we are able to see the total process from A to Z now. And I understand the total picture. And if you want to play big, how should you play big? And uh, what to take care of and things like that. And when not to touch durians. Yeah. Ah, it's interesting. Huh? Yeah. And, and when you were selling it, you you were selling it just like for one big fruit. Do you sell it as, as a fruit or do you chop it up and then sell it to people on the street and... So um, let's say we collect 150 kilograms of fruit in the morning. Then we'll take it to the roadside and uh, the four of us will actually uh, sell it to passers-by. And if they want to open it, we'll open it. If they do not want it to be opened, we'll sell it as a whole fruit. And everything goes oh. by kilo, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, you know, like, uh, that's an interesting thing. I mean, <laughs> like for me, I... Don't you don't you like that whole? You just sell something to somebody, and you know it, it's just it's a simple exchange, mm-hmm. and you know you chop up the the fruit, you give it to them, yeah, and you're done. They they pay you, and you're done, and yeah, that's but, like a simple thing, right? Yeah, but it, it looks simple. Just that at our side, we give people the guarantee. We give people the guarantee that what we are selling is leg, uh, legit, as in the fruit is good, everything is fine. If there's any problem, we will change it. So we got to know that there's a lot of traders here in Taiping, for example. They are not doing it in a proper way. For example, they tell you that it's guaranteed. I mean, the quality is guaranteed. But then when you try to exchange the fruit, they will never exchange it because they they have taken your money anyway. So when we told Uh people that story initially, they were not impressed as well. They say they were telling us that you guys are just the same like others. I said, why not try us out? So for those who have tried us out, uh, I mean, and the fruit is not good, and then we got to change it, we change it. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, playing Satisfaction guaranteed. Yeah, satisfaction guaranteed. That's the right word. <laughs> so, it was a wholesome experience, a totally new experience, learning things from a different side. I mean, I love durian. So, basically, uh, it's just nice to learn the total process and being able to understand people much more, you know? And um, just by understanding the... I mean, you have got to understand the weather, uh, where the fruits is from, 
in order to buy the right fruit uh, and sell it at the right level as well. Because if you're talking about Musang King, which we are selling, um, it can go as high as like um, $80 per kilo. On a, $80? On a yeah. US dollars? Is this? Ringgit. Is this ringgit? Oh, yeah. oh, 80 ringgit. Okay. Ringgit. So that's like. That's a, good, that's, a, that's a good price. That's a good price. You can go that's as a good high price. As that. When, when the demand is higher than the supply, you can go as high as that. During the season, it will drop down to maybe around 40, 45. But then we are selling it at maybe around 38, 40 per kilo. So, wow, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so from you're you're a man of many talents, from lawyer <laughs> to race director to what's it, clothing manufacturer, now Durian King. <laughs> I mean, uh, I believe if I mean it, it's all about learning process, right? So yeah. on the first day, uh, we do not have the. I mean, on the first one week, for example, we did not have uh, have the right weighing scale to weigh the fruits. I've got a weighing scale uh, in my warehouse, in my fabric warehouse. So I was using that for almost 10 days. And then uh, the Ministry of Primary Industries came uh, to our stall, checked our weighing scale and said, hey, look here, your weighing scale does not have a, a Ministry of Primary Industries uh, sticker. That means your weighing scale is not approved. So he told me, you have got to close the store now. And if you want to open your store, you have got to have that sticker. So it's like a Rotex on your on your car. Mm. So what actually happened is we have got to buy a new weighing scale. So we started uh, that day uh, in business by making 200 ringgit loss before any profit we made. So, I mean, it was a totally different challenge, different experience. But then people like us, whenever we have put our mind into it, we just make sure that it's successful. So, that's good. That's that's a really an entrepreneurship mindset, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it does not take a lot to start it up. So long uh, you don't get greedy and then doing it uh, within your means, I think it was good. I mean, the first day we sold like 100 kilos in less than one and a half hours. Wow, 100 <laughs> yeah. kilos in one and a half hours. That's uh, a lot of durian. The second day we actually sold like 150 kilos uh, in half day. And then another hundred, we ordered another hundred and fifty kilo again. So it made the total uh, weight was like three hundred kilo on the second day. Uh, and then I saw how tired we were on the second day, and I say, look here, uh, we did not do this to be tired. We do this to kill time, you know, during the movement control order. So from then onward, I say, I told them, look here, we can only do uh, hundred and fifty or hundred or maximum two hundred kilo a day. So on a good day, when we have got uh, at once order, then we will deliver up to 400 kilo. If not, we try to maintain it at 250, 200 or 150 kilo. Just not to feel okay. wasted, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, you did it for three weeks, was it? Yeah, three weeks. Wow, that's yeah. something. So uh, having to prioritize, reprioritize everything that was in me. No running. You know that, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so having to wake up like 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock every morning, go and pick up the fruits, uh, make sure that the stall is open by 11. So it's nice. It's nice. It was a nice experience. Totally new experience. And uh, Yeah, it's totally different from anything you've done before, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It, it was good. Yeah. Good, yeah. 
So anyway, we might do a bigger one next year. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Anyway, like you know, the we don't know how long this whole pandemic is gonna go. So this whole alternative uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> livelihoods is important. Yep. And um, I saw yesterday, or was it yesterday or two days ago, that you just announced that the MMTF was canceled for this year. Yep. And, you know, the MMTF has been going on for, this would have been its third year, is it? Yeah. Is, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. And it's now one of the big races in Malaysia, isn't it? I mean, from last year, you had more than a thousand runners in total so overall. In the first year in 2018, we have got like 1,500 runners from 28 countries. It grew... Uh, I mean, it grew to a figure that I didn't even think it could grow to, which was 2,300 runners on the second year. Mm -hmm. um, that would be from 35 countries. And um, basically, um, the second year was very interesting because it was the last race of Asia Trail Masters. That's um, right. That's right. It was a championship race for the Asia Trail Masters. Yeah, so basically, MMTF is actually a community project. Uh, for me, is to introduce people to the, to Taiping, um, to the state of Perak, where I'm from. And most importantly, uh, for people to recognize uh, the trails and also the races that we have here in Malaysia. So I've got a long-term plan, um, and that's where the North Face 100, uh, which we are supposed to organize uh, this year, um, I mean, I just want to open up the trails here to, to the world out there, you know. Yeah, it's a totally different trails than what you guys have in the Philippines. Uh, right, it's most, mostly jungle trail, right? It's, it's like wet jungle, sort of Malaysian jungle kind of trail. It is the ultimate experience uh, of uh, what trail running is supposed to be for me. Because when I train for any races that I participate in, uh, I will do them here in Taiping. I mean, I'll spend most of my time training here in Taiping. So I'm not able to go to the bald mountain that um, you guys have in Philippines, for example, with those pine trees we don't have here in Taiping. Everything is um, deep into the jungle. And uh, I mean, it gives you the sense of uh, peacefulness and uh, being on your own, trusting your instinct, um, just you and the nature towards the end. Right. It's it's sort of a very dense um, jungle it, area it, from I mean, most, I mean, what uh, I've seen from the pictures. Part of the race actually actually runs through uh, what we call the Virgin Jungle uh, Malaysia uh, plot. So um, no one is supposed to go into those areas actually. Even this race, we are not supposed to go in there. Um, but by virtue of having um, the forestry department of Malaysia as our partners, um, we are able to get um, the license or the permits uh, for runners to go in there once a year, and that's only during the race. Okay, so it's a very unique opportunity to actually explore um, Taiping. No, I mean yeah. the the area in the forest, and it's an area which would not necessarily be open to to the public All right. and you've done that like over the last two years uh, uh, being yeah. able to I mean it was not easy I mean um, 
most people already know that um, the dream with MMTF came about in 2015 when I was at the North Face 100 in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. When it was mentioned that 2015 is going to be the last year for TNF 100 Australia and they are going to um, uh, migrate the whole event into um, Australia Ultra Trail Festival. So the name actually mm-hmm. pops out in my head straight away. Uh, why not Malaysia uh, Ultra Trail Festival as well? So from then onwards, since I was back then, I was going in uh, with groups into uh, the surrounding areas around here. And um, after two and a half years, I managed to um, what you call uh, join all the dots. And I say, yeah, now we have got a race course. And from then onwards, preparing the whole file, putting it forward, getting it certified, getting the licensing done, getting the permits done. And uh, in 2018, we have got the first race proper. I would say it, it was a very, the most important year, I would say. And uh, after organizing it successfully in 2018, so uh, ATM, uh, many, I mean, actually gave us a, the rights to hold it as a season final race. Uh, for me, it was a big thing, you know. It, uh, mm-hmm. Not only being able to be with the rest of you guys in the ATM, but then uh, to host it as a final race. I mean, oh, it's, it was one of the biggest and sort of yeah. made the prestige of the MMTF quite quite big um, last 2019, wasn't it? So uh, I always believe that this is a project uh, by runners for runners. So it's all driven by passion. Uh, I mean, I financed this uh, race to an extent whereby mm-hmm. it is almost impossible for me to proceed further if I do not have a sponsor. Um, North Face came in with uh, sponsors, I mean, with sponsors, but then, I mean, these days, no sponsors does not come in with financial uh, support. It That's right, they only give like products or yeah, products, correct. So we actually need the government help, and uh, we have got everything lined up for this year, even the federal government through the Ministry of Tourism. Um, they have actually uh, came in uh, and they have already parked the money in the state uh, with the state government to actually support this race through this year so it meant something uh, to me when the when we are recognized by the uh, federal government in that way uh, and then the pandemic happens you know so it's been a very testing year JP uh, I mean I've got oh, eight races for all of us yeah of course I mean I've got seven races which is either deferred or postponed to 2021 uh, with Larian and <clears throat> Peter, there is like 4,000 runners. Uh, oh, wow. Supposed to happen in March, but then the pandemic happens and then the movement control order came into effect like 10 days before the, uh, before the run. So that will be postponed to next year. We have got Sol- Solomon x Trail. Uh, There's supposed three, to be three, three sort of runs, uh, right? Five, five races. Uh, oh, five races. Okay. Throughout five states here in Malaysia. That was also deferred completely to next year. Uh, that uh, uh, when we did the deferment, it actually concerns more than two thousand runners. Wow! Uh, we are not able to refund, give any refund in do, those two races because we have done some some substantial investment. 
um, t-shirts, uh, I mean runners entitlement, you may call it. They yeah. have been produced or uh, produced partially, making it impossible to cancel it. And uh, mm-hmm. um, the only one that we are able to postpone and defer without uh, any uh, extra cost uh, would be the Night Dragons Malaysia. So right. next would be not phase hundred, the not phase hundred Malaysia. Uh, I have got to make a decision now whether are we going to proceed it, proceed with it, or are we not going to proceed with it. Uh, the direction from VF is is better to uh, call it off. <clears throat> Because um, the North Face 100 exp- uh, Malaysia will not have the same, uh, runners will not have the same experience if we are not able to do it full-blown, like what we have done with MMTF in 2019. That's correct. Yeah, so, there, is a, there is a big difference. Correct. So runners, uh, international runners might have problem coming into Malaysia. Uh, we might need to drag... Uh, or postpone the decisions to produce the runner's entitlement to a very late date, which almost make it impossible for the producer to produce them. Uh, in terms of the new SOP that needs to be implemented if we were to go ahead with the, the race, uh, the change of location just to, accom- to make sure that we are able to accommodate all the people. I mean, we are talking about more than 2,000 people when we actually, we actually call it off. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean, all totality, I think it's best for us to cancel it. Uh, of course, a lot of people is going to ask, uh, who are the sponsors? Um, of course, Primer, uh, who is the brand uh, owner uh, of North Face of North Face here in Malaysia, the distributor here in Malaysia. Uh, they are kind enough to actually uh, come up with a 100 ringgit voucher. Uh, for all runners. Um, it's like a cash tender. You can even use it for discounted uh, products. Uh, besides that, um, there's actually absolutely no uh, sponsors of any sort to help us to cover the cost that we have spent. I mean, the cost that we have spent to execute this race, um, which is scheduled for December, is not small. It's considerable, uh, for sure. I mean, a lot of people tend to think that Organizing a race, the cost is only like the shirts and the medals and all of these, you know, the runner entitlements. But but all throughout the year, I don't think a lot of runners realize that there's so much cost in like the logistics and, and just mapping and all of these things, right? We're talking about logistics in terms of design. We're talking about logistics in terms of communication. We're talking about um, logistics in terms of the total planning for the race. Uh Reseeing the race, uh, um, checking the conditions of uh, of uh, I mean, there's just so much cost uh, traveling, everything. I yeah, mean, for sure. I mean, it's the same for us. It's uh, you know, throughout the year, you're racking up these costs. You know, you're, you're you sometimes you're not even like billing it. Yeah. But those costs are there. You know, you're driving down to all of these areas. You're you're going to meetings. You're creating the content. You're you know, you're you're creating the videos and all of these things, and all of that has a, you know significant costs. So it's actually a very difficult time. If I got to be honest, I would say personally, it's a it's one of the most testing time that I'm going through at the moment. But then um, I always believe. Um, I mean, in this in this case. Um, 
uh, refund is is of course uh, fair to me, incomparable to what most organizers are doing. But then um, I believe many more out there who actually save for the race that will be able to use the money that we are currently refunding to better use for themselves in terms of prices. And of course, yeah. in my mind, I believe we are we will be able to recoup it by uh, organizing some other things. Uh, maybe uh, commemorative t-shirts, maybe doing a smaller scale event when the government say uh, give us a green light to do so. I mean, just not sure yet. Currently, everything is still in plan. So we shall see in coming week. It's very difficult to make any plans at the moment. Like for us, yeah. we've we've essentially decided that for 2020, let's just hold our heads down and you know try to spend as little money as possible because yeah. there's really very little money coming in. And I mean, and I think it's the same for you. I mean, you you've not just you just have little money coming in. Plus, we've both sort of had all these expenses beforehand, you know, like all the logistics and the marketing and, and all of that. So, I mean, uh, JP, you are in a very different situation. I mean, we are in the same uh, similar situation, RD concern. I mean, um, race directing concern. But then um, I don't ask other race director or other racers to follow what we are doing. Um, first and foremost, I mean, when your race was postponed and deferred, uh, we are talking about, uh, I mean, you have got like, your your race is at the beginning of the year, right? So and Yes, in March. Yeah. And you are able to make the right call uh, to make sure that the village that your race runs on are protected. So, I mean, I wish I'm able to make that call earlier in the year, but then uh, it comes, I mean, I really want to do this race, but then I'm not able to. And I think as of now, uh, my team collectively uh, with the people that are involved, I, I believe we have made the right decision. I, I mean, I, your team too as well, you know. I mean, it's, it's not an easy moment for anyone here in Malaysia who is organizing race in the Philippines, in the whole of Asia or in the whole world. It's not easy. So to some extent, I'm able to understand uh, uh, with the part, partial refunds and things like that. I mean, certain countries, certain areas, uh, requires a certain amount of cost uh, to plan uh, a, a particular race. And mm-hmm. I believe it's is, it is all different. I mean, the cost to get uh, an event running here in Taiping um, might not be as much as one that is run in Hong Kong, for example. That's for sure. That's for sure. Or in the Philippines, yeah. uh, yeah, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. So it depends on the local authorities and the supports that we are getting. But then, all in all, is is just a really testing time on a personal level, you know. It's, it's yeah, tough. yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult, and I know a lot of. Um, I mean, it's difficult for us also. Like for for instance, for for race organizers, yeah. you really. I mean, there's a point when you cancel a race where you really can't win. Yeah. You basically lose money yeah. or you lose a portion of your reputation in a way. Like if you, if you say, okay, we're going to, we're going to give 60% back or, or 80% back. And 
that's you know that's a loss in terms of your your reputation in terms of a lot of people who say oh why are you you only giving back this much money or yeah. uh without really considering that you know you've so, been working on this race for the last year the last uh, years yeah i mean you know the last two years and it's not it's not essentially uh a deal where you only have all the costs during race day no. and a lot of costs are actually accrued over time over the year you know like, like guides and 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 all of these other things a lot of a lot of racers i think mistake that um yeah. organizing a race is just the t-shirts and the medals and uh, and the food you know that's just that's just the cost but there's so much especially for a race like 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 yours for instance you coordinate with the national government you know the federal government the state government and and, and you build the trails. Yeah, most of the licensing actually comes from, uh, uh, I mean, from the federal government. So there's a lot of trips that we need to make um, to get this race running or uh, to get this race being given the green light uh, to proceed. And this has started um, from the day MMTF 2019 is over. Uh, most people start resting. But then for us, we started ex- executing the files to uh, what you call promote it. Uh, yeah, it's the same for I think for most race race organizers, that's yeah. that's the process, right? Yeah. So it's they, I mean I've not been resting at all since uh, last year. So now uh, I mean it's good to have at least um, the next six months to replan on things uh, before we move towards two thousand twenty one. Yeah, I think this is sort of maybe it's a blessing for many organizers in a way that we can reset. Yeah. But so, but and we are. I mean, I know when I say this, it's going to apply to you as well because I know you pretty well. Uh, people like us will not be uh, killed uh, because of the situations that we are facing now. Uh, I believe um, we are only going to come up stronger uh, from here. Yeah, because we are not alone. I believe we are we are all together as a race directors or between race directors and runners. I think we are in this all as, as a team, you know. Definitely, definitely. I think we're all sort of looking forward to that day when we can all start racing again. And actually, just running together again is a big thing. I mean, right now we're, so we're I'm, running alone. I'm actually <laughs> to race. I'm actually in the midst of uh, executing something uh, to recoup uh, the cost for this year. And mm-hmm. once that is done in the next one or two weeks, there'll be a way uh, just to clear my mind off. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, just planning to go head down to Tioman for a week or two. Just mm-hmm. to have my own time and then just to uh, have some time with the nature again. Uh, have a okay. peace my peaceful mind in, in to think about the direction I would like to take uh, in moving forward. Can you share what what are you what are you planning on on like uh, what's in your plans to recoup the costs of twenty uh, nine So uh, basically, um, I don't think a lot of people realize uh, when I say that um, all the races that I've organized, I mean, that I'm supposed to organize this year is either deferred or cancelled or postponed. It actually concerns all the races. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not talking about 
the fact that I'm able to execute one in January and then I have got uh, time to execute the next one, for example, yeah, it's a total deferment or total cancellation or uh, postponement, uh, which means there are zero incomes mm -hmm. uh, with lots of costs for each and every of uh, the projects that I have. I yeah. call them projects, but not races. So I've, I've got all these... Uh, cost for all this project and it comes out to quite a big sum so uh, in order for us to uh, uh, recoup uh, the team uh, is going to do commemorative t-shirts for MMTF 2020 no nice okay uh, there's one um, secondly um, maybe training camps uh, but then that is still too early to tell uh, but then the first that will be coming out in the next one or two weeks will be our commemorative uh, t-shirts just to help us to uh, recoup that. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah we, we were planning on shifting to... I mean, you know, we did a training camp last year and yeah. we were planning to sort of do more this year because of the pandemic. But because of all the travel restrictions, I don't know if that's even a possibility even with like a small small volume of people. So... Let's see. I mean, at, at the moment, um, I still have a few little things here and there. But, I mean, in general, like, the people who work for us, like um, like Dawn and the others, they're going to have to start hustling for, <laughs> for other things. Because at this point, I mean, you know, there's no income at, uh, coming, into, coming into the organization at all. And... Looking forward as well, um, I'm not sure our sponsors will still be there when... And this is probably the same for you, right? I mean, the sponsors, I don't know how much money they'll have left after... For 2021. So, I mean, uh, during the pandemic, I'm pretty sure, I mean, based on the experience and based on, uh, on the communication that I have with the people that I spoke to, um, it does not matter what brands that we are talking about. Uh, the pandemic actually uh, woke many people up in a different way. Uh, in terms of sponsors, um, they are not talking about races so much now. Uh, how, I mean, they are not talking about how they are going to support a race, for example. Uh, it's more about the, their own bottom line as well. And yeah. uh, that can only be achieved uh, if they were to build on the, their sales. I mean, a lot of companies, not, uh, I mean, not only in sports products, but I'm talking about most companies that are into a production of products, uh, albeit uh, products that are to be consumed on a daily basis or not. I think they are all affected, yeah, for sure. Because uh, during the pandemic, uh, governments around the world or around the globe, they actually locked down the community. And mm -hmm. uh, people are not able to go out to shop and things like that. And all these companies are really affected. So I, I do understand as well. If I were yeah, to stand sure. on the position of a sponsor. And for us, like for, for instance, for us, uh, one of our bigger sponsors is Victory Liner, the bus line. Yeah. And they haven't had any buses traveling for the last three months. Yeah. So they're significantly, I mean, they're extremely badly hit. Uh, by this pandemic and they're actually um, I think they're furloughing a number of employees and they're retiring about 
400 people. Okay. So so it's really I mean it's not it's nobody's in a good way at the moment. Maybe yeah. Netflix. <laughs> but I believe uh, so long everyone keep moving forward they will be fine yeah, yeah. so long everyone yeah. just uh, look at things from a more positive side I mean opportunities are there is how we're going to grab it you know no one yep no exactly one... just like you when you're the end <laughs> so though I'm doing it as a waste I mean just to kill time during because basically we, four of us do not know what to do you know we are always mm-hmm. yeah so the idea just came out instead of just sitting down hanging around why not just do something you know and uh, that's where the durian came about uh, if we can do it I'm very sure people out there is able to do it as well right. and yeah. for for 2021 are yeah. you planning planning anything new or are you just going to start doing I mean what the, the the races that were supposed to be scheduled for 2020 so we have got eight races now that are confirmed in 2020 with the confirmed dates as well uh we hope by then everything will um will be solved uh, or the pandemics will have a vast improvement for us to proceed with it um other than that um i still hope um, to execute um, the North Face 100 Malaysia as well uh, for next year. So that one, I think the decision will come maybe later part of this year. Uh, we need, we still need to see uh, what is going to happen with regards to the pandemic uh, before mm-hmm. coming out, uh, coming with that uh, direction. Uh, okay. If North Face 100 is not a possibility, then we will uh, migrate back to our. Uh, original platform which is Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival I mean it's a project of passion so I will continue building it uh, as long as I can Yeah. well you've done quite a lot in just two years of building the MMTF yeah. and it's I mean it's already top of mind race when going to Malaysia especially since you do have Malaysia in your name <laughs> So, which which no other Malaysian race has. So it's not about only representing Malaysia. I would not say I'm representing Malaysia when I use the word Malaysia. But then in using the country's name, I believe there is a lot of responsibility that is attached to it. Namely, uh, mm-hmm. doing it the right way and um, um, doing the best that we can uh, just to uphold the good name of the country or the, peop- the people that I'm working with, uh, the government organization, departments, uh, the ministries, and uh, most importantly for the community. You know? I mean, I felt good after MMTF 2019, uh, getting lots of messages from friends who are not there, uh, congratulating us, uh, me and the team, uh, for the job that we have done for 2019. Yeah, I heard it was the best race in 2019. You beat us. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we are not here to beat anyone We're just trying to no no it. but I think you deserve you deserve it um, from I mean I wasn't there last year I didn't make it but but everyone who was there said that it was one of the best races um, best, best race organi- organization in, in Southeast Asia it was um, good it was good to finally see a race from Malaysia on Potspots 
Oh, that's right. You yeah. were on Fox Sports as well. That's amazing. And uh, I mean, Fox Sports has been playing uh, the Ultra Trail World Tour uh, here in Malaysia uh, last month. And uh, somehow before they actually did the UTWT, they actually did the 15-minute uh, highlight on our race. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that is, well, a, that is part of the recognition that, that uh, I mean, money can buy. Well, definitely. I mean, you, you really invested in basically your media and your content generation right. in 2019. I remember you telling me that you... I mean, you invested quite significantly in terms of telling the story of the MMPF. And I'm really happy now that, you know, that uh, Fox, uh, Fox in Malaysia actually started showing it. And that, that's, I mean, that's important, not just for you, yeah. but also I think for the whole Asia Trail Master Series where yeah. we're able to showcase that, oh, you know, there are these great races that are happening in Asia yeah. that aren't, you know, Ultra Trail World Tour races. So but based on, these local local flavor on, races, you know. Based on what uh, I I mean, what was communicated to me by our media team um, from iCarus Sports, uh, we are also going to be featured, uh, not 15 minutes, but then um, maybe 5 minutes highlights. Um, we will be highlighted in uh, 160 countries in uh, July. Wow! Congrats! Congrats! <laughs> uh, that's so, huge. That's huge, bro. Really happy for you. So anyway, for me, it can't happen. Uh, I mean, I can't do this on my own, you know. Uh, basi- basically, we are just the people behind. And um, behind the runners, there are, there are more than 500 uh, volunteers, crew members, uh, government office- officials. Those are people who also play their role as well. That is why I say MMTF is a community project. And uh, it's by a group of runners. Uh, That's a huge crew, 500 people. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people, I mean, uh, the, the T-shirt guys, for example, they don't understand why are we producing like 500, uh, more than 500 T-shirts for crews or volunteers. But then that is how, how many we have on a yearly basis. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, we have about 200, I think, or actually less, probably... Yeah, about two hundred people on our on our crew, you know, marshals, uh, medics, and all that. So, so I mean, having five hundred, doing doing races. I mean, when it comes to doing races, I mean, a lot of people think that it is uh, um, it, it's like a it's a nice job, you know, but then uh, the logistic nightmare of it. I'm sure you have got your personal experience yeah. as well. It's like it's like playing chess on a moving chessboard. On the ocean, <laughs> I mean, essentially, you don't know what's going to happen, and you're sort of prepared for everything that's going to happen. But then something happens that's outside of what you're prepared for. People like us, we would need to have the ability to visualize. Uh, I think that's very important. Uh, from the moment uh, a tent is going to be set up on the race site, all the way still when the particular tent is going to be extracted from the race site, we have got to visualize the whole process. And it's a process of like a week, you know, which mm-hmm. we have to take note and we have got to uh, make sure what is coming in, what is going out, who is coming in, who is going out, who is going to start the race and then what is going to happen to them potentially. We have got to visualize everything. 
and it's tiring. <laughs> but then, oh, it's very tiring. So if it's not for the passion and uh, for what we are doing currently, I don't think I mean both of us will be doing it anymore. Oh, for sure, for sure. And for next year, are you planning any anything different for the race, like to sort of adapt to this new normal situation that we have? Are you doing maybe staggered starts? Is this something that you're thinking of doing, or or so in uh, looking at possibility to move forward with the race this year? Uh, first was the staggered start. Uh, two. Uh, we are thinking of uh, doing race briefing online instead of physical race briefing like we always do. Uh, third, to make sure that every runners are subjected to medical checks or uh, just like some other international races that uh, we partake. Uh, four, uh, shifting the uh, race when a village to a bigger venue, for example to ensure that we are able to uh, enforce social distancing without uh, without any doubt. Uh, mm-hmm. Finally, even separating the race course. That means the 15 and 25K runners, they will go on a different course in comparable to the 50 and the 100K runners. Oh, wow. That's, that's a completely... That's a huge investment, like changing your course. Yeah. So... Uh. Um, we are able to do that, uh, frankly speaking. But then, uh, at this moment, uh, nothing tells me or gives me the guarantee that uh, runners and event crews are going to be, uh, I, I mean, guaranteed. I mean, safely. I mean, their safety is guaranteed. I mean, nothing is guaranteed at this moment. No one can give me that guarantee. And when the idea came that this race should be cancelled and suspended, I, I duly agree to it. So yeah, we shall see how is the development of uh, the pandemic in coming months yeah, moving forward into 2021. And then from then onwards, we shall see whether um, there's any need for us to implement any of this SOP towards 2021. All right. So we shall see. Uh, anyway, I'm not ruling out a potential race uh, in uh, December. It might be a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Just for us to take the lead, uh, SOP concern. Yeah. It would be interesting actually to see how races here in Asia sort of adapt to this because I know in Vietnam they just did a race a few last week, last yeah. weekend actually, yeah. uh, the Lat Ultra Trail, and they they changed nothing in in terms of holding the race. I mean they held it like normal practically. Um, Sadly, though, there there were two people, I think, who got... Uh, there was a flash flood and, and some people died. But they didn't change any of the protocols for the race. And uh, I'd like to see a, a race somewhere here that would actually have any of the new protocols um, to adapt to this new situation. So uh, I spoke to some people on the possibility of... Uh... Uh, of a race uh, mm-hmm. happening end of this year just to commemorate uh, MMTF 2020. But then uh, other than saying that, I will not be saying more unless and until we have got a complete green light to proceed after September. All right. So it'll be nice. on a smaller scale, uh, maybe two categories, that's about it. And then running on two different course. 
and then mm-hmm. um, uh, putting all the SOP. Um, I mean, just to take the lead uh, on doing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I'd be really interested to see how you do it. Because everyone, uh, I believe everyone here in Malaysia is uh, trying to see what is the best way of uh, proceeding from here as well, just like the rest of the world. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we can't be locked down like this for the next 10 years. <laughs> no, it's impossible. I think we we really need to restart learning how to live with the virus. If right. you know, I mean, if ever there is some, if ever there is some sort of uh, vaccine, maybe we don't know. <laughs> and uh, but we we need to get on with our lives. I mean, people right. can't just stay at home. Yeah. People, there's people now here in the Philippines who are starving because they they don't have jobs. They can't go to work. And and that's I mean that's definitely a problem and it will kill more people than the yeah. virus. JP, it's just I mean, one thing that strengthens me during this period. Of course, I I said earlier that I am personally in a very bad situation uh, after having finance uh, financed uh, this project uh, and this company for the last two years, and then this happens when it's supposed to be the best year that we're gonna have, but then. I have looked uh, around here in Malaysia or in the place that I'm from, uh, Taiping. I see mm-hmm. much more people that are in, in even more uh, worse situation and comparable to me. You know, people who lost their jobs, people who are not, uh, who don't get uh, government assistance because uh, they are no, uh, they are non-existent, uh, so to say. So they are not able to get any assistance of any how. Then mm-hmm. we have got to come in in groups uh, to chip in and to help those families. Uh, I mean, there, there are just so many people out there who are not able to have a, a proper meal on the table, as, as you say, you know. That's right. Yeah, so it's just sad. I mean, so we. I hope I'm able... I'm given chance to um, play a role in helping them, but then there are so much we can do as an organization or as an individual. We can't do more than that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now it's really daunting because there's just so many people in need and there's only so much one can do, you know, to help all these people. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, everybody feels the same way that you do at this point. We all want to help, yeah. but then our capacity to help is also, I mean, in a way it's diminished every single day that this pandemic continues on because... For, um, me, for me, the unemployment rate that is uh, announced or reported globally, or I mean, in Malaysia or even in the Philippines, I think the figure is much more higher than that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because those unemployment rate that we see are only for those registered workers. There are also a lot of unregistered workers in our community. And these are the people who have lost their job as well, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we will all come out from it. I just believe that um, this virus is going to be there from now. It's always going to be there. And it's how, uh, like you say, how we're going to deal with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. If yeah, we are not going to sure. deal with it, um, for me, the virus would have defeated us. 
if we are able to live with it, uh, coming up with plans and to live alongside it, then I think we'll, we mm. would be the winner. Definitely. That's something I think everybody has been thinking of over the last three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, I was planning to talk to you about the Dragon's Back and... <laughs> Thor, but our our discussion's almost an hour already. <laughs> so I think we should maybe cut this into two parts. I'll, I'll, we we can talk about the dragons back and Thor in a second episode. And I mean, there's still so much there yeah. to talk about. Yeah. And I think this is more timely now because a lot of races are being canceled, and okay. and MMTF also just got canceled today. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's an important perspective for people to sort of see the situation from, I mean, the other side of that, that coin where uh, as organizers, this is what we are going through. I mean, you are going through, yeah. as you said, you're, you're, I, you in, I mean, uh, you yeah, basically yeah. invested your own money, right. In, yeah. Into, into the, into the race. And, a lot of people don't understand the the significance of that in, investment. It's not like some corporation, like you said before, where they're just playing around with someone else's money. Oh, no. And this is your own money there, and you're burning through it. And and then of course, um, with the race not happening, and I mean, it's significant plus your entire team that has been working on this for over the last year. It's, it's definitely difficult for everyone. So. There's a lot of races here uh, around the region, or shall I say, uh, in Malaysia, for example. Uh, I will not accuse anyone of anything, um, but then everyone has got their reasons of why they would like to execute a race, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not driven heavily by the financial benefit. Uh, our main uh, uh, principle so long we do not make any losses, we will be okay uh, yeah. to continue doing it. But then at this moment, I mean, we are just riding through a very hard time. You know, it's like financing it year after year and after year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult, but then we, we will come back stronger and we will come back bigger for everyone. Yeah, we will, for sure. Yeah. I think in a way, there's going to be this huge wave of wanting to join races after all of this is over. Yeah. And and races like the MMTF will be one of those races that people will be looking forward to, to joining again. So that's, that's really I think, nice. yeah, uh, I hope, you know, for next year. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we can all have that, the usual, you know, December get together in Sagada <laughs> this year. I don't know how how that is gonna gonna play out. And I was talking to Candy that maybe we might not have a Sagada <laughs> this so year long, because so of so the pandemic. So long the border is open, I'll be there. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and because like we can't even go to Sagata. So we can't even there's there's now a border between Benguet and Sagata. So 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 it's it's a, it makes things a lot lot more difficult than it used to be. So I hope, you know, I hope we see each other this December again yeah, and 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 have that, yeah. Uh, so 
It's good, JP. Yeah, we will survive. We will come back stronger. I'm sure you will as well. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I hope so. We will, we will come back stronger. We will persevere through yeah. all of this, and you know, we'll be running together up in the mountains without masks <laughs> sometime soon. So that was my friend Eugene Tan, and he shares a lot of the difficulties of organizing trail races in this time organizing running races in this time and these are actually difficulties i share as well since we do organize a few races and as we discussed during this whole conversation um we're basically writing off the entire of 2020 both of us and uh it's not an easy time it's not an easy time for him it's not an easy time for me we're basically going through 2020 with next to no income and just trying to survive. Um, I started this podcast because, well, I'm not doing anything this year and it's turned into something. I, I really love talking to people, I love talking to friends and I love sharing it with all of you. So... I'm glad that, uh, in a way, this whole thing has been a blessing. I've gotten more time. I've gotten more time to rethink how we do things. And I do hope, I really do hope that uh, this whole thing is resolved by December. And, uh, well, Eugene and I and a couple of other friends, at the end of each year, we see each other in Sagada. And that's been a tradition for the last um, five years, I think now, or six years that we've been doing this. And I, I do hope, not just for us, but also for everyone out there, that we can continue with our traditions despite of this pandemic that we're all going through. And I wish you all well. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I hope you share this episode with your friends. Give us a follow. And next week, I have the incredibly talented Jamela Alindogan, journalist extraordinaire. Uh, she is one of those people who really inspires me. And I hope next week she'll be inspiring all of you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>